0: Uh, Luke chapter 13. Everything you need to know about God, about Jesus Christ, is revealed to you in the Word of God, the Bible. Everything you need to know, everything you need to understand about Holy God Himself is shown to us in this holy, blessed book. It is without error from cover to cover. It is truthful. It will sustain us. It will guide us. It will give us everything we need. You see, it's not enough just to say, I believe it. You have to understand the sufficiency of Scripture. And the Scriptures are sufficient for whatever needs you may have. And it may not be met the way you think it should be met. But God will meet needs. He will minister His grace. He will minister His provision to you and to me. But you have to yield yourself to what the Word of God says. Everything we need to know about God is revealed to us in the Bible everything we know about man is revealed to us in the Bible because when you look at the Bible, you can see man at his best, and you can see man at his worst. You can find the story of Joseph, and you will probably not find a more righteous man throughout the Word of God than Joseph. That one that God gave dreams to, that one that was cast into a dungeon, that one that God raised up to deliver mildly the children of Israel out of Egypt, out, 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 out from the, the, the famine and moved to Egypt. See, Joseph was a tremendous man, and all the stuff, all the things, all the goodness, all the characteristics of Joseph are revealed to us in the Bible. And then we find those guys who are not that good revealed to us in the Bible. Sometimes they look like me. And sometimes they look like you, all right? I'm not going to hang out there by myself. You see, we find all the good stuff. We find all the bad stuff about man shown to us in the scriptures. We find the story of Judas. Judas Iscariot, that one who walked with Jesus for three years, that one who took abode with Jesus for three years, that one who supped with Jesus. We find him betraying the Lord Jesus Christ for a mere amount of money. What do you do for money? How do you vote? Honest questions, guys. What do we do when it all comes right down to it? Judas, this one who sold Christ out for 30 pieces of silver. And then he went and he hung himself. The man of perdition forever and eternity in hell. Because he would not respond and surrender his very life to Christ. So if you were to go through the Bible and you were to say, who's the most pathetic man in the Bible, the most pathetic person in the Bible, who would you think it might be? I, I mean, you can go over, I believe it in Luke's gospel. We're not going to turn there. But if you look at Luke's gospel in chapter 16, you, you find the, the picture of this man who's crippled. He, he cannot walk. He is lame. And he's laid daily. And he's begging for a living. And he's there day in and day out. And the only way he's going to survive is by somebody reaching out and giving him something to eat. Somebody helping him with the expenses that he has. Why? Because he is like, he just cannot walk well. He does He doesn't have a limp. He doesn't drag his feet. He is a lame man and he cannot walk. And he's begging there. And, And Lazarus is begging there by the rich man. And the rich man, he would just throw the crumbs to his dogs. And Lazarus wanted just some of those crumbs. When was the last time you wanted the crumbs that was given to dogs to sustain your life? Been a while for me. Probably been never for me. But here it was, he was a pathetic man. And yet the Bible tells us he was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom, right? So he's not the most pathetic person you would find in the Bible. You go over there in Mark in chapter 5, and you find the story about that Gadarene demoniac. And and he had a legion of demons inside himself. And you understand a legion is 6,000. You see see the significance of talking about how demon possession, and I know that's an unpopular subject today, and a lot of folks don't want to believe what the Bible says, so that is a true statement. You hear me? The Bible says he had 6,000 demons possessing his life. There are levels of possession, I believe, but listen to that not my servant. Here it was. He was a pathetic individual. He ran around living in the graveyard. He ran around living in the cemetery. He ran around living among the tombs. He didn't wear any clothes. He was naked. He would take and they would bind him with chains and he would break them. He was so powerful. He would take rocks and he would cut his body and the body would bleed and show forth blood. He was a pathetic man. And yet when Jesus came by, all of a sudden he's sitting in his right mind. <laughs> Why? Because when you come into the presence of Almighty God, He can change your life. He can change what you have done in your life. He he can give you a new direction where you're going in. Why? Because when Jesus passes by your way, if you'll respond to the Master, if you'll respond to the King of kings and Lord of lords, He can work so in your life. He can change your life. So this G- gathering demoniac, he was a pathetic man, but he was not the most pathetic man. You, you look again over back in, in Mark chapter 9. You, you find another guy who had one demon, the Bible tells us. And this one demon would take him and it would cast him oftentimes into the fire. It would take and cast him into the water. He was trying to kill this young man and the daddy of that young boy. If he wasn't there to pull him out of the fire, if he wasn't there to pull him out of the water, his son would surely have died. And all of a sudden, here it was, the disciples came and they couldn't help him. Doesn't you feel bad when you can't help somebody? Because there's many times in life you're thrown into situations where where we know there's a need and we would like to help meet that need but we cannot do it in and of ourselves. But Jesus Christ showed up and he looked at that daddy and he looked at that young man and all of a sudden his heart extended out to that young man and all of a sudden he healed him he made him well. He was a pathetic individual But he wasn't the most pathetic. You see, all three of these people that I've talked to you about, they met Jesus and they got changed. They went to a place, according to the rich man or the poor man, he went into Abraham's bosom, into the very presence of God. The Gadarene demoniac, his life was so changed, he was sitting clothed in his right mind. And this young man, all of a sudden, the one that Satan tried to kill time and time again, his life now had new purpose. His life had now new meaning. His life had now new direction. It had new, new hope and new joy. But they were pathetic, but they're not the most pathetic, man. So if you'd look in your Bible to Luke chapter 13, let's begin reading here in verse 31. And here's what it says. And the same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox. Behold, I cast out devils, I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sin unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Now look to chapter Twenty-three. Flip over and you find another passage here in chapter 23, beginning with verse 6. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as they knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod. Who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus. He was exceedingly glad. For he was desirous to see him of a long season. Because he had heard the many things of him. And he hoped to have some miracle done by him. He wanted Jesus to entertain him. He wanted Jesus to put on a show for him. He wanted Jesus to, to wow him. See. Who's the most pathetic man in all of Scripture? I believe you're you're looking at him. His name is not given in the proper, but he's called Herod. And, and, And you have to understand there was a multitude of Herods throughout the Bible. This is Herod Antipas. His father was Herod the Great. And Herod the Great was the the Herod. He was the ruler of that area during the time when Jesus was born. And he was the Herod that said, We will kill every baby boy born two years and younger. He was the one who who the wise man did not go back and tell where the Christ child was. He was the one who set this terrible attic and he had this terrible slaughter. And yet Holy God automatically raised up a way whereby Joseph and Mary and Jesus, they they could flee from where they were. In Jerusalem, they could go down into Egypt and let that time pass before before they came back and they reside in Nazareth around Bethlehem. They, they, they were—he was the one who did such a terrible. This was his son. And see, see, Herod, he was Herod the Great. He was a wealthy man. He was the king. He was the ruler. He was the one in charge. He was the one in control. And he had two or three sons. But he told Herod Antipas, basically, you're going to have it all one day. You're going to have my kingdom. You're going to have my power. You're going to have my authority. You're going to have my money. And so here was Herod Antipas, this son. He was sitting there with ambition in his mind thinking, I can't wait till daddy dies. Because when daddy dies, I get it all. When daddy dies, I get everything he's got. But before daddy died, the will got changed. And he only got a fourth of what daddy told him he would get. He only got a fourth of the kingdom. He only got a fourth of the power. He only got a fourth of the, of the money. And so with this ambition inside his mind, he felt like he had been cheated. He felt like he did not get what he deserved. You ever felt like you don't get what you deserve? You know what we deserve? hell because you see we have nothing righteous inside our lives there's nothing good about mark parton it's all based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ who died in my place, who gave himself for my life. And so here it was. We find the first thing about Herod Antipas. He was an ambitious man. And when he didn't get all that he thought he should have gotten, he started looking around. And he saw this lady that he did not necessarily fall in love with. He saw this lady. He didn't necessarily think well, she was a beautiful woman. But he saw this lady whose daddy was a king. And he decided, look, if I can't get it through my daddy, maybe I can get it through her Daddy. and if I marry her when her daddy dies I get that kingdom as well can you imagine such logic We don't marry because of love. We marry because of convenience. We marry because of politics. We marry because of financial benefit. And that's what took place in that situation. He married this woman thinking he was going to get the kingdom of her father as soon as he passed away. And yet Herod Antipas, he had a brother. A brother who didn't quite excel as much as Herod Antipas excelled. His name was Philip. And Philip looked around the situation and he says, I don't have all the money my brother's got. I don't have all the power my brother's got. I don't have all the kingdom and authority my brother's got. But I've met me a woman and she is a knockout. And I'm going to have the prettiest wife that there is to have. And so he said, I've got my this lady named Herodias. And I'm not her first husband, but I'm her next husband. I'm her now husband. And I'm going to show her off. She is going to walk on my arm. And I know it's not man candy. I've been corrected now three or four, five, six, seven, eight times. I'm not sure what candy it is, but she put, he put her on his arm, and he strutted her right in front of his brother and brother Herod, Herod. he looked at Herodias, and he thought, my, she is an attractive lady. Her hair was silky. Her teeth were, were, were shiny and, and clean, and she smelled so rich, and the rest of her looked pretty well also. You got it? And so he brings Herodias into the ballroom, into the palace where where Herod was. And Herod Antipas said, I will have her. And he divorces his wife. And he takes his brother Philip's wife. And now he's not only an ambitious man, he's an adulterous man. And all of a sudden, all the kingdom start saying, I can't believe our king has done what he's done. I can't believe that we allow our king to do what he did to his own brother. He don't care about family. He's not going to care about us. I can't believe that we let our king. And so all the rumors and all the scuttle and all the talk, it starts And it gets back to Herod. And it gets back to Herodias. And Herod and Herodias, they get completely upset. And they say, I can't stand this. They better be quiet. And so Herod, he stands up to his kingdom and says, you better stop talking about me. And you better not say anything about my wife. Because if you don't, I will have you put in jail. And I might even kill you. And everybody stops talking. Everybody but. John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist did not fear man. John the Baptist feared God. And John the Baptist, he looked at Herod right in his face. And he said, you are evil. You are wicked. You are conniving. You're a disgrace to be ruling this people and that woman you got, she's worse than you. And all of a sudden, things get heated up for John the Baptist. Do you understand why? See, see, this is the situation we live in today. They say, oh, you ought not say that. You ought to keep your mouth shut. You don't have to express that. But we need to have people who will stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. And we need to have people who will stand up and proclaim the word of God without fear. We need to have people who stand up. and It doesn't matter what would transpire, what would take place. This is what the word of God says. And all of a sudden, Herod is hot and mad. And Herodias is even madder than Herod is. And she says, I want him dead. I want him dead. I want him dead. Now, I don't know about you but we're from Appalachia sure And and when in Appalachia if somebody in the mountains if a man tells you he's going to kill you well you just keep right on going because it's probably not going to happen but in Appalachia if a woman tells you she's going to kill you you better get things straight. All right, now I don't know how it is here in western Kentucky, but I know Appalachian Mountain lore, and hear, hear me, it's not always pleasant. And, and so Herod, for whatever reason, even with John preaching the truth, Herod liked John. Doesn't that just amaze you? And he would bring John in to preach for him because he liked to hear him preach. It makes no sense, but we still have that today. We have people saying, oh, I like that preaching, but they don't even respond to the gospel. And Herod said... I'm not killing John. And Herodias was mad. And so Herodias realized it's going to be Herod's birthday pretty soon. And Herodias had a daughter by her first husband, not Philip, but by the husband prior to Philip. And some say her name was Salome. And so she took her 16 to 18-year-old daughter, Salome, and he, she brought her into her, her bedchambers and she started giving counsel to her daughter. said, now look, your, your, your stepdad, Herod, he's going to have a birthday party and the liquor's going to be flowing and the alcohol's going to be going just as easy as it can go. And these people are going to start singing and they're going to start dancing and they're going to start drinking and they're going to be drunk. And all of a sudden, when your daddy, and I've seen how your stepdaddy looks at you, all of a sudden he's going to start looking at you, you're going to start dancing for him and you're going to do this dance dance of the veil where you've got all these veils that are wrapped around your body and all of a sudden you're going to go out there to to that seductive Barry White music and you're going to start taking off one veil and then you're going to take off another veil and all of a sudden when his eyes are bulging out of his head he'll say whatever you want and here's what you say I want the head of the Baptist John On a platter. And that's about how it went down, in my understanding. She started dancing. And he said, Whatever you want. And he took and had John lay his head on a chopping block. A man of God, a man of faith. A man of complete obedience. The last prophet of the Old Testament era. The man who Jesus said was the best preacher he had ever heard or ever had been. Do you understand what was going out when... John laid his head on that chopping block. Do you understand? The word of God had been silenced for 400 years from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And God raised up John. And God took him to the backside of nowhere. And God in this desert equipped him. And God clothed him in camel's hair. And God put a voice inside him. And God gave him a word. And he didn't know how to win friends and attract people. He just proclaimed the word of God.
1: And it's said all
0: of Judea came out to hear the message. And even Herod sent his people out to listen to the message. And they wanted to bring him. In. This man of God, because he obeyed God, laid his life down. And now you've got this ambitious man and you've got this adulterous man man now you got him a murderous man because he tried to silence the voice of God you got anybody in your life trying to silence the voice of God anybody in our land trying to silence the voice of God and now John becomes a superstitious man you say what are you talking about preacher well see see John you can't do that to an anointed man of God and it not cause you grief (laughs) now you can act like you got it all together but, but, but all of a sudden, the, 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 the Pharisees or the scribes, they would come to, to, to Herod and say, say, Herod, there's this guy named Jesus and he's out there preaching. And, and they're saying that it's Jeremiah. Some are saying it's Elijah. Some say he's John, but that man you killed, he ain't dead. And Herod starts going, no, 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 you, you send him away from here. I, I don't want him here. I, I tell him I'll kill him again if he doesn't go away. Think he gets this superstitious, this fear starts residing inside him. And he sent out messengers as we read. And they said, you need to leave where you are leaving. You need to go because you are not wanted here. Nobody wants to hear you. And Jesus said, you tell that. What did he call him? A fox. Why would he call him a fox? Well, you read commentators and they say he was shrewd as a fox. He was sly as a fox. You read the Bible, and it talks about little foxes will come into the grapevines and they will spoil the vine. They will raise up and they will start eating the grapes off the vine. But that's not why he called him a fox. Because if you look in the Greek, the word fox is feminine. I like Jesus more and more. Because you know what he's saying? He said, you tell that sissy... You know what I'm saying? Why would he call him a feminine fox? You tell that sissy coward who won't even come out here to see me. You tell him that I can cast out devils and I'm not scared of him. You tell him I can raise a dead, I'm not scared of him. You tell him there's power inside my life, there's power in my hands, there's power in my way. You tell that sissy I like Jesus, don't you? See, see, for so long we've got this feminine, weak, sissified Jesus that we picture. There ain't nothing feminine, weak, and sissified about him, guys. All these pictures that we see of this face that looks like he's, you know, you know that ain't right. He was a man. You can't take the beating that Jesus Christ took for you and for me and still be breathing and standing if you're not a man of substance. You cannot endure what Jesus endured on Calvary Street. He didn't lay his life down. He laid his life down. Nobody took it. You can't do that if you've not got a man inside you. So he said, I know I'm way off kill here, but he said, you tell that sissy that's a coward to come and see me. I ain't going nowhere. You see? So you got this ambitious, nothing wrong with ambition, as long as ambition doesn't become your God. you got this adulterous man. A lot wrong with adultery. You've got this murderous man. Now you've got this superstitious man. But he's just a common man just a common man and you know how superstitions go man we we had a lady in West Virginia in our church she was superstitious I mean you don't go in the same door you go out you you know the ladders the black cats uh, keep the veil your baby was born in I mean We had a mission team one time in to do some work, and we had about three or four staying at her house. They made it one night, and they moved in with Char and I. With the other four that we had, they said, We can't live at Miss Cassie's house. I said, I understand, no problem. But see, see superstitions, you, you, you grow up with this stuff that, oh, there's a black cat, better turn around. Now you just try to hit the cat. I know. So you see, you don't know. He kind of wears thin. And so over time, this superstition of Jesus kind of, kind, of, kind of evened out because he saw Jesus hadn't done anything to mess with him. And, and things were going on. And, and then one day, Jesus, he's been arrested by Pilate there. And it's the Passover time. And so everybody goes to Jerusalem. And Herod goes to Jerusalem like everybody else. Pilate arrested Jesus. He didn't want anything to do with him. His wife had had a dream and she said, Don't you mess with him. Don't do anything. And so he's hunting for a way out. And so he starts saying, Now, where are you from? Oh, you're from Galilee because Jesus is interacting. He's talking. He's speaking. And you're from Galilee. Well, 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 that makes a whole lot of difference because Herod is the ruler in Galilee and Herod happens to be in town right now. He's come because of Passover. So I'm going to send you to Herod. Herod's runners come and say, Herod, he's coming, he's coming, Jesus is coming. And Herod, I think, gets plum giddy. Oh, he's going to do a miracle for me. He's going to perform for me. He's going to entertain me. Oh, I'm going to get Jesus do some trick. Oh, I'm going to have a front row seat. I get to see him do this and that. And I get it. Oh, it's going to be so neat. He's a sissy. <laughs> listen, listen. And so Herod brings Jesus into the court. And he says, Jesus? Who's your mom and dad? What's their names? Jesus? Where have you been lately? What have you been doing? Jesus, I hear you can walk on water. Jesus, I've heard that you have raised. Why don't you do something for me? Jesus, and he starts asking him one question after another question after another question. And you know what, Jesus, it says Jesus did? It says he answered him not a Word. Now you better let that settle into you because when Jesus won't speak to you, you're in a scary place. You hear me? He talked to Pilate, he talked to the guards. He talked to the Sadducees, the scribes. He talked to the Pharisees. But when he got to Herod, the Bible says he never said a word. Christian man, woman, when was the last time God spoke into your soul? And that you obeyed what he said. Because you see, if you don't obey what God says, what God's word says, what the spirit of God speaks into you, he stops talking. There's no plan B with Jesus. You understand? We can have E, F, G, and H, however they go in the alphabet. But with him, there's only one plan. See, 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 and when he stops speaking... so Herod is in. come on, do something. And I'm just saying, Herod, did you know that he walked on water? Herod, did you know he healed sons and daughters? I know it's a takeoff on a song, but Herod, did you know? But Herod, he ain't speaking to you. Now, let me ask you something this morning, if you're here today and You don't know that you know that you know if you are to die today, you would go to heaven when you die. Is God speaking to you? And he's saying today, as the book of Corinthians says, is the day of salvation. Today is the day. And you're saying, I think I'm going to think about this a while. And the Bible says life is but a vapor. It's here for a moment and it's gone. You're never promised another chance regardless of what others will tell you, you can't get saved anytime you want to. You get saved when the Spirit of God is speaking to you. You get saved when the conviction of the Holy Ghost comes upon your life. And you understand lostness as if for the first time. And if you're sitting there saying, maybe I've crossed that line, I doubt it. Because that thought wouldn't even come to your mind if you crossed that line. You would understand I'm lost. You understand I need Jesus. You understand I need a Savior. And you come and say, Lord, here I am in my sin. I confess, save me. And you know what? He will make you brand new. He will take you like that gathering demoniac and he will take the chains off your life. He will put you in your right mind. He will take you like that boy that was thrown into the fire and his daddy kept pulling him out. He will set you free one more time again. He may even usher you into the presence of the Father but you are prepared to meet your God. He never said a word to Herod. And if you can sit through a service like this and you say, God has not spoke a word to me, you're in a scary place. But I think you're lying. I was witnessing to a guy. He was about 75 years old, was diagnosed with cancer. And I said, Tivis, has God ever spoke to your heart? Nope. My mind thought, you lying dog. (laughs) That's what my mind said. But my face was pleasant as much as it can be. And, and, And I thought, yeah it was about a week later in a hospital bed he prayed to receive Jesus as a Savior and Lord you see God is only required to speak to your heart one time but many times he comes again and again but you're never promised another opportunity you're only promised today because life is but a vapor it's here for a moment then it's gone and today as God is speaking to your heart lost man, lost boy, lost girl lost mama, lost daddy why? why? Will you turn a deaf ear to Jesus? Why? Because I got so many things I want to do. Eternity's a long time. Compared to a three day bender. Why would you turn a deaf ear to Christ? Save man, if God is speaking to your heart and He's convicting your soul about some issue in your life, man, obey God today because see, when He speaks and you obey, that's what gives that assurance, that's what gives that hope. So, what's He saying? Herod stood there, and Jesus, I don't think He held His head down, I? I think He looked Him eyeball to eyeball. And I think he looked at him square in the face. And I don't think he batted an eye. I think he watched him to where it was uncomfortable for Herod as those penetrating eyes of Christ looked at him. Can you imagine the same look that Jesus looked at Simon Peter when Peter was warned by the enemy's fire and the rooster crowed? And Jesus comes out from the interrogation from the beating. And there sits Peter and he looks at him. He doesn't say a word, but he looks at Simon Peter. And Peter just melts. He breaks right there where he is. Why? Because the look of Christ. Hear me, man. Hear me, woman. Listen to me. As God is speaking to you, heart today. Respond to Jesus. Come to the altar. Be born again. Let Jesus change you. Let Jesus encourage you. Give you hope. Give you a purpose. Give you a future. He will. Amen. Father God, I pray right now as you move in our midst that you enable us, God, to understand that you are working, that you are moving, and God that you want to speak to us, you want to save souls this morning, I pray God you save that one closest to hell I pray God you disturb their heart I pray God you've removed blinders you've opened up deaf ears, God I pray Father God, by the convicting, drawing power of your Holy Spirit, you would just work and woo a life, God, where they would say yes to you, they would come repenting of their sin, crying out to you for salvation Father, I pray this day for Christians, Lord, who are struggling who are backslidden, God, who are having a hard time with whatever. God, I pray this day as your word is spoke to them, they'll respond to you, Father. And God, you just work that restorative grace inside their soul. Father, you work, you move, you be glorified. But God, don't be silent. Altar's open. Obey God as we stand to sing the invitation hymn. The altar's open. Lost man, lost woman, lost boy, girl, come to the altar.